Welcome to Pool Party Radio. This is the number one podcast for donkeys, masterpieces, and all of YouTube. I'm your host, Mark, and joined as always my co-host, Jason Razorman Frisbee. How are you, Frisbee? A masterpiece. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you for bringing up Dunkey in the start of this. Uh, man, that was a treat. The last time we fucking talked, I we were texting the before the apocalypse, before Civil War, and mm-hmm. everything that you mentioned that pre-show that we were talking about, like this... Uh, surreal week that we've been in is that kind of undercutting it i think it's been fucking insane but uh (laughs) back a few months ago i had texted you about a video game donkey who does videos on youtube like a video gamer and it's the only one that's palatable for folks like us who actually like humor and jokes and don't like baby games like minecraft and whatnot Mm -hmm. uh and he does these awesome like video essays about video games and has a lot of very funny jokes in them. And I was texting you mainly because I was like, hey, Parker, this guy both sounds and tells jokes like you do. So I think it's pretty great. It, it helps me out with the lonely times. And you had mentioned that uh, the sweetest man, Matthew Sweetman, actually hipped you to it a while back. Jackson, so, Hatless Jackson. A oh, Jackson. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, the sweet man of Hatless Jackson. Pardon mm-hmm. that, Mr. Jackson. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Jackson. I am for real. But <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, uh, I was done. It was, it was the uh, Death Stranding video that got me hooked because that was a video game I was looking forward to for so long. That Hideo Kojima or Hideo Kojima game, mm-hmm. and seeing his review made me so so grateful i did not like drop the money on that uh garbage looking game so <laughs> and i love the way that he talked about it like mechanics has always been a, a walk or no walking has always been a welcome video game mechanic since uh since the first days of video games it was hilarious it was just so fucking funny <laughs> yeah just watching him tip over in that video game over and over I was like, why Why does everybody want this game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then comparing, like, the first Strand-like game to Mario, which was, like, an indie platformer that you probably hadn't heard of. It was hilarious. <laughs> I can love that guy. Yeah, he's my hero. I'm trying... I've been, uh, like, trying to talk Jackson into casting him as the dad in Beyond the Gates 2, but I don't think Jackson's going to go for it. He should. I know, I've, right? He'd be a great I've, dad. <laughs> yeah. I've been watching his streams lately. They'll, somebody will post those on YouTube, and it's great. He could definitely be a good streamer. Be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, how have things been going for you? It's been. I think it's been, like, exactly... Oh, no. Wait. Has it been... Was the wedding episode the last... Oh, no. We did, say, we did uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? So, it has not been... It's been a little bit, but not too long since we last podcasted. Yeah, it was definitely before the insurrection. 
Mm-hmm. It was before vaccines were being whispered about being released. It was before the election that some people still can't fucking wrap their heads around for some reason. <laughs> um, it was before all that. So, yeah, it was like October. And in fact, like the last week of October, because I asked, hey, this was nice. Would you want to do it again in like a week or so? Maybe we can talk about the election results. And you said quite aptly, man, I don't know if this election is going to go the way that we think it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we were both in agreement at that point, but with a totally different outcome. I was pleasantly surprised, but who boy. It's been a fucking disaster since then. I don't know if you all are listening to this like in a bunker or what, but yeah, <laughs> it's fucked yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty certain that Trump was going to win again. Um, yeah, and, me too. And thankfully, Biden was able to steal it. <laughs> JK, JK. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I mean, you know, I, I think the pandemic did it. I mean, I, I think it was, you know, not to get like too... C-SPAN or whatever, but I think it was people voting early and being able to vote from their house is what yeah. saved us. Pandemic saved us. Yeah, exactly. Pandemic both destroyed us and saved us, just like everything else in America. So why shouldn't <laughs> we just give it like a star on the Washington Walk of Fame or something? COVID-19. <laughs> Thanks for the 2020 election. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this pandemic's full of surprises it's like i you know i can't go anywhere or do anything but i also don't spend a bunch of money on gas so i'm, I'm pretty rich now so <laughs> hey that's all right that's all right my boy i love it that was the other thing that's why donkey should be the dad in jackson's next movie because he's like oh ho, my boy you see it's too easy for me <laughs> yeah i love uh there's a video where he plays like dark souls or something and uh he gets beat and then when he gets beat he calls like the monster that killed him a mean guy but then when he levels up and he can kill that guy he goes you thought you were a mean guy but you're a nice guy <laughs> and i say that to Kepi, my dog all the time <laughs> I love when he's like losing at something and he goes like, oh, that wasn't me playing. That was my uh, that was my younger brother. He walked into the room. That's that's who I think he's like. And when he's doing really good, he's like, oh, I've got my blindfold on. I'm using a steering wheel to play. And then like when he starts losing multiple times, like uh, my brother came in and I wasn't even in the room and I was using the toilet and the, the game turned off. And yeah, all that stuff happened. Anyway, we're talking about video game donkeys, so. Don't love please don't turn off this podcast and jump on him just yet. Wait till we're done. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love that guy. We got to get him on the show one day. Yeah. Uh, although, have you heard him on on like a podcast? Um, just uh, what was that one? That was like H three H three or something like that. Yeah. I saw I him there that's too. The show, but that's the only one I've seen him on. Yeah, he's he's very quiet. And doesn't talk like Dunky in real life. It's very cute. Yeah, that's how he is on his streams, too. Like, he was trying to do the Drama Mondays stream. And he just kind of pauses every few minutes while watching a John Paul video. And he's like, he'll just, like, pause it and then put his head into his hands. Like, oh, no. this I'm having a drama with this. This has got me on a drama right now. And then he hits play. So, like, a five-minute video takes... 25 minutes for him to watch because every few seconds like i don't know this is this is a drama for me i got drama with this <laughs> very quiet very soft-spoken 
gentleman. But mm-hmm. I also like uh, this that you're talking about uh, <laughs> a mean guy and nice guys because it reminds me of a very funny line from the the fifth episode of Saved by the Bell where of uh, this uh, 2020 reboot where the football team is being ushered <laughs> in to <laughs> talk about the team they're going to play. They're like, who are they? Mean boys. What are we? Nice men. <laughs> <laughs> and I like to think that's that describes you and me. That's the duality of uh, Parker and, and Frisman <laughs> here. Like, we're nice boys. Or we're, or, or we're mean boys or we're nice men. Or, or we're nice boys or mean men? I don't know. I'm going to change would you our... Agree? I, I would definitely agree. I'm going to change our okay. iTunes uh, description to, to reflect that as well. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would definitely agree. And I like that joke a lot. And you're right. We're here because this is a big time in our lives. We've been for 10 years now. Um, mm-hmm. with no exaggeration because March is the 10 year anniversary of pool party radio, uh, at least the podcast version. Hallelujah. So, uh, yeah, for 10 years, we've been talking about saved by the bell and it, it culminates here and now with the saved by the bell reboot, which we watched the first five episodes of. That's right. Um, we watched it, uh, via Peacock, which is a weird name for the NBC um, app streaming service. So NBC has this streaming service called a Peacock, where it, which has like NBC shows on it, but also has some original productions. And this is one of them. Um, it brings back some of the original cast from uh, the one the shows that we've talked about, like Mark Paul Gosler, uh, Mario Lopez is a prominent figure in every episode. So is Elizabeth Berkley. Um, but other characters make appearances too. Um, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, she's uh, makes a cameo in the first episode as well. Mm-hmm. The main focus is on the next generation. So some of these people are teachers and counselors at the OG Bayside, and some like Zach Morris have filled out their villainous destiny, which I think we could have <laughs> written. We probably could have written this. Uh, end result of how Zach Morris becomes like governor of California and runs purely on charm and good schemes Mm -hmm. um, or terrible (laughs) schemes. Uh, And he's bankrupted the public school fund by moving money around in his scheme like fashion. And now public schools are shot to hell. So he gets a recommendation during a press conference, some from a reporter to move kids from, a disenfranchised school, Douglas High School, to Bayside and other areas. So basically, moving kids to other more prominent schools. And that's like the crux of the show. It's just worlds colliding. Yeah, some of the the kids from Douglas end up going to Valley, they mentioned at one point too, which is fun that there's still a, a, a Valley rivalry going on. Exactly, yeah. There's a lot of very deep winks and nods to the original show, that you would probably only understand if you had done an in-depth review and analysis of these episodes <laughs> on a podcast you did with a friend from your hometown. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so go like, back and listen to those episodes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like you can tell that these people 
really grew up watching this, whoever's writing this, um, because, you know, in addition to the things like, um, you know, the things that everybody knows, like the Max and like the I'm so excited, I'm so scared stuff, which we'll talk about. And I have a lot of mixed feelings about how they hammer yeah. us over the head with that joke. Yeah. Um, they do bring back a lot of, you know, like they bring back, they mentioned Valley, which is kind of a, an obscure thing. They, at one point in one of these episodes, Slater pulls out a list of all the girls he's kissed. And I think all the girls on the list are girls that were, are actually from the original show. Like he mentions like the princess of Liechtenstein or whatever, who was. Yes. Yeah. Know, <laughs> in that one episode. So, um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun to, to kind of see what kinds of things pop up here and there on the show. But uh, yeah, so the, the first episode, which is aptly entitled Pilot, um, let me see. Like you said, this is the one that introduces Zach as the governor. Uh, he mentions there's a lot like it, it starts out with like this montage of how he became governor and sort of like the whole all the stuff you mentioned where it's him, you know, just setting the entire premise up for the show. Um but there's a lot of funny stuff in this little montage that explains how Zach came to power and how he ruined everything resulting in the premise. Uh, one yeah, of the things he mentions, yeah. well, well, one of the things he mentions is that after he married Kelly and did the college years, he became a lawyer. And then they show a still of his show, Franklin and Bash, where he played a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which I thought was incredibly smart. That was like one of the first cues that was like, oh, shit, this isn't. Like I knew from the trailers that they were gonna be kind of thumbing thumbing their nose at like the OG series for being corny, but I did not expect the show to be so self-referential, like to be willing to go into very surreal or like one reviewer puts it kind of negatively, like dotist places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this is a show that's aware it's a show in the grand scheme of things and isn't afraid to make jokes about what these other what these actors have done in other roles and yeah i was taken by surprise by that like the franklin bash reference yeah that was really fun i had to rewind it because i was like what, what just happened is that franklin and bash but um and then he also mentions how he became the governor he ran because he was trying to get out of a parking ticket which is perfectly zach yes yeah man <laughs> like i thought I, that was hysterical yeah, like it would be easy to do a reboot like this and then just kind of like be like not really understand the original characters. Um, and I'm also kind of afraid of this. Like I'm I know that Zach pops up later in episodes after episode five, and I'm really kind of afraid that Zach is going to be uh, like just kind of a, a stand in for Trump or something like that. But in this first episode, um they, I, like he's perfect. Like it, per, like they're really good at capturing the old feeling of the old characters. And this montage with Zach and Kelly, I think, is really, really good. Yeah, yeah. She's only in it. Kelly's only in it for like all of maybe four or five seconds as yeah, like true. a cutaway during the montage scene where she's she's being asked to say something, and then of course, like it's something scripted by Zach, so it's totally outrageous. And she's like, "Wait, what?" The- Zach, I don't think I can say this. Like, and <laughs> that part's left in within the edited video. Um, but yeah, like, as we would have also predicted, he's kind of sleazy, and his schemes aren't always great. Like, people would be feeling the fallout, and sure enough, there's a lot of California that is, or at least like in Los Angeles County. So yeah, like, 
Yeah, it, it, yeah. Like some of the other characters too. It does show like it, it was pretty stunning to see the original like setup of the intersecting hallways and stairways set. Like that's supposed to be the original part of the high school, and then they build on top of that, like they did with my own high school when I like back in Vandalia. Um, they remodeled it, but they kept like the old bones there. Um, I'm not sure if it was like that, at Wayne. I know like Wayne was always expanding. Yeah, Wayne was weird because they would just add like totally new buildings. Like it was like a like a centipede. Like they would just add on at either end. Like they didn't really build on top of it. It was a strange place. Gotcha. But but yeah, the way they do it here is great because you'll like they'll come through the familiar hallway with the stairs that we know, but then we'll see it from like different angles. So it's it's not just like a, you know, one set, like it's, you know, many, you know, it looks yeah. like a real school now, but it's, it's still the same old base that we know. Yeah, exactly. The The new principal acting is uh, Principal Ronald Todman, who's, this was one of the reasons I wanted to watch this show, like aside from our own connections to it. I was like, this is one of the first additional like cherries on top that I was excited about. And that's because the principal is played by John Michael Higgins, who's been in like a lot of um, a lot of mockumentary type films, like uh, what was it, um, Best in Show, and Mighty Wind, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, he's a comedian that's like near near that same sort of level as um, uh, like the old SCTV crowd. Like he's just very very classically funny with great timing and a real treat to watch. And he brings like new life to the doormat principal that principal Belding was like, he's, he just wants to get through the day and life just keeps beating him down, but he's very optimistic <laughs> and I it just really enjoyed it. So you, you like the new principal then? I do. Uh, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about him. I, I love this actor. I love him, yeah. and he also played Letterman in that the the Late Show HBO movie. Um, and he's really good in that, but like, I don't like. I feel like they could do with without him. Like, I I kind of feel like Jesse should just be the principal. Like, I don't mm, know. He's he yeah. just seems a little superfluous. I don't know, but I but I do like him. But like like in this first episode, um, the main girl who's sort of like the new Zach. Um, What's her name? Daisy. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, she has she's like wondering whether or not she should run for student body president and like the problems that are going on with it. And she's upset that Mac Morris, who's Zach and Kelly's kid and Lexi, who are Bayside kids, like the, their money and, and privilege are, you know, make it too hard for her to run for student body president and it's the principal who kind of gives her confidence to run. But, like, that should be Jesse. Like, for 10 years or whatever, however long the original show was on. Like, you know, all the all the dilemmas that Daisy's going through at this point is, like, stuff that Jesse was into. So, it like, I just feel like everything that the principal does uh, could be Jesse in this. But but I do like the guy. So I'm a little torn on that character. I don't know. We'll see. We've, we've we got five more episodes after this. So maybe he'll he'll turn it around. But I... I don't know. It just feels like too many adults or something, maybe. That's a really good point. Yeah, I considering like how much of the original cast they 
took the uh, time to bring in. Like, it is great seeing um, Mario Lopez take on the Slater role again. And his his character, I mean, yeah, bless Mario Lopez for doing this, because almost all of his lines are just, like, self-digs at how Slater was a jerk and how... <laughs> how wrong his life has turned out now. He's almost like a, uh, a Danny McBride type character, like from, uh, um, Eastbound and down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like the, high, the person who peaked in high school and now he eats like soup all the time. And most of his dialogue <laughs> is about soup. And I think it's really fucking funny. Like a kid comes to talk to him. He's like, Oh, you just caught me in the middle of a soup break. And somebody saw him eating soup in his car for lunch. <laughs> like, I love that they make this a joke because I've been made fun of for eating soup. Like, <laughs> it's it's ubiquitous. It's just somebody who's, like, kind of given up on certain things. So I know that feeling, and I like that <laughs> they wrote that into his character. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like you were saying, like, Jesse Spano, this was... this would I was expecting times for her to shine during the first two episodes as well. And I like that they did more with her. So uh, as the episodes went on, but yeah, that first and second episode, they were coming to the principal and it might be like this. I don't know what to think of it. Like it might be a transitional thing. Like they might try to have the principal step out because his life is kind of a mess as we'll discuss when we get to episode five or so. But um <laughs> Yeah, maybe uh, Jesse will end up being like the acting principal at some point because the way this is starting off where it's like kids from a disenfranchised school coming to this like school from a higher tax bracket, like she would have, you're right, she would have been like the person at the front line for all of that. Instead, she's apparently too busy and has to deal with like a bunch of parents. Yeah, she's the guidance counselor at the school. Um, yeah. And yeah, so which is kind of like an like I don't even know if they still have guidance counselors. Maybe if you're going to Bayside, they do. But sure. Um, but yeah, her and Slater are really great. Like you said, I love where Slater's at. Like Slater, um, he's so funny as like this yeah. kind of like as is almost the building. Like the guy who I mean, you get that feeling from building too that he peaked in high school or college. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they're doing that with Slater too, which is very funny and. Um, you know, he'll do like in, is it, I think it's this first episode or maybe the second one where the new girl from, uh, the disenfranchised school, Aisha, uh, tries out for the football team and becomes quarterback. And so you get like all throughout the series, the relationship between those two is awesome and I love it. And so you get this sort of stuff where like Slater's, you know, he's no longer Slater he's he's a little softer he under you know he's he's cool with the girl being quarterback stuff like this and like he understands that he shouldn't be so super machismo but he's also still slater like he'll he'll still say to jesse like oink oink mama and stuff like that so like he's still recognizable as slater but he has grown and i think it would have been really easy to come at this reboot and just make a guy like slater like a total joke but he's not i mean despite the fact that he's funny and down on his luck He's not a total joke and he's not a punching bag. And I think that that's that's fun. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense, too, because somebody who has peaked like that 
and to still be at the same high school that they were at and just really love the high school. Like he's got some dialogue where he's like, he recognizes that this is where he peaked. He's like, my best years were here. You know, that's, that's not a great way to look at life. Like you should always be exploring and checking things out, but man, he found his home and he loves it like relentlessly. So he's very aware of where his priorities are. Like he wants to make sure the school is, a good place for future students. And that's great. But also it just means that he's he's going to be the butt of some jokes, which is also very funny. Like yeah, like you're saying it just works really well. Um Jesse Spano's character like the first episode like we were discussing before, they bring in a caffeine pills joke. She wrote a book called uh I'm so excited I'm so excited. I'm so scared to be a parent. And that was like her her big book. But then like flash forward a couple more episodes and the cold open is her preventing Mac Morris from dealing out caffeine pills. And she does the so excited, so scared joke again. Um, so that felt kind of forced and lazy. Like they had to use the same joke again, like you were saying feels a bit hit over the head with it that's why i was worried what they were going to do with her like that first episode they're already busting out this joke and like okay man i i get it we all get it that was like the huge draw <laughs> adult swim made a weird bump out of it when they were showing the say by the bell episodes so jesse don't take those pills like that so many <laughs> people had jokes or songs about it but man to draw it out like in the first step as a book title and then shortly thereafter and like a few episodes down that had me second guessing in the first episode but thankfully i was wrong yeah i hated the reference to that joke in the first episode i thought it was too soon to and too too lazy um too soon i like to be it was too soon to be making fun of a caffeine pill addiction you mean yeah <laughs> yeah some of us still aren't over it. <laughs> um but you know the the second uh use of it where she knocks the pills out of max hands um and then she's like are those caffeine pills and he's like yeah i stole all those doctor's notes to get caffeine pills and then he walks away it's really funny uh, <laughs> yeah because mac morris does the hard stuff and i think that's great um <laughs> but like i like that that reference to it because it was because daisy's asking for the pills and so it's a way to connect jesse and daisy like it's not just like a stupid callback to say by the bell it's actually in the plot like it's actually like a character moment that they use so I, I liked it then but i didn't like when they just brought it up out of nowhere yeah the book title joke seemed like i don't know it seemed like a it very much seemed like a pilot episode and a very much like a pilot joke yeah like, so it's like okay you're you're trying to show that this show's got some metal and some worth i get it there was some weird events that took place in saved by the bell so You'll be referencing those. That's great. Yeah, but, another great reference to the first episode or to the first series in this first episode is that um, everybody keeps talking about the Bayside app and like how you need it to sign up for things. But Daisy, a uh, girl f from from the disenfranchised Douglas, group, yeah, from yeah, Douglas. from Douglas, she doesn't have a smartphone. She only has like the only phone that her family can afford is this old. <laughs> cellular phone that is the exact model that zach had in the original show which was state of the art then and i think that's such a smart joke like it's such a funny callback to the old show but is 
a character moment and is you know a commentary on uh the privilege of the original kids and like i mean it's just so great like that's that's when this show works great i think is when when they're making references to the old show but in a fun and smart way yeah yeah there are times when they make references and it never like comes to fruition too much and it's still like yeah it's kind of funny but you're right like this is that's one of those instances actually to make the connection that would have been like zach's phone i just like that scene because she keeps talking about her mom saying like you know she has a computer because that prevents her from sending nudie photos to the internet and then (laughs) she doesn't have a cell phone that's like adequate because it also prevents her from sending duty photos to the internet. <laughs> so, like, I think a lot of the writing and the dialogue, and especially these, these like, these actors, all of them, like, the OG cast, and then, like, these other cast members, some of them have, who have, like, uh, pretty reasonable resumes already. Um, they've, they have chops. It's really fucking hard to, like, critique this show. Like, I was expecting it... To at least be like kind of bad, but man, they've all got like really fucking good comic timing and shit. So I'm I'm pretty impressed. Like I like how some of these new kids are. Yeah. So let's talk about the kids. Um, from Douglas, we have Daisy, who is um, she's student body president. She's very good in school. She's sort of the Zach. Like she does the timeout thing. She's got Zach's phone. Like she's sort of, she's our main character, even though this is very much an ensemble. Um, we've got Aisha from Douglas who ends up, uh, she was Daisy's best friend over at Douglas mm-hmm. and she's kind of like a Slater character. Uh, she's very athletic and has had trouble like exercising that part of her in the past over at Douglas high school. But now she's seeing like opportunity to do more than she had opportunities to. Yeah. And there's, um, despite the t- the fact that those two are best friends, there is sort of a conflict between them in that Daisy doesn't really like Bayside and Aisha loves it. And I think that that's interesting because it would be easy to just have all the Douglas kids hate Bayside, but I like the fact that Aisha likes it. Um, and we also have Devonte, who, um, I kind of started growing on him later. Like we'll talk about it in like episodes four and five, but at this point I hate Devonte. Yeah. Um, episode one, he does not do much of anything. Yeah, his whole thing is like he's just really like Slater tries to to be fair, it's for Slater's own gain. Like Slater tries to get him to be on the football team Um, and like the principal will talk to him and he just like kind of shuts them down and he's just like, yeah, this is stupid and you're stupid and I don't want to have any part of it. But and it's like, I don't know, it's like narratively that's bad because, you know, it's like when you do improv, you're never supposed to say no. You know, you're always supposed to yes and and Devante does Mm -hmm. not yes and. Um, yeah, and that becomes a little bit. Yeah, I see what you mean. I was, I was probably. I like that discussion that he he and Slater have in the hallway, where it the show does tackle a lot about stereotypes, and makes room for those discussions too, without it feeling, I mean, too heavy handed, because the jokes are still like rapid fire, and mm-hmm. they'll have these like quiet moments but it never feels like it never feels like you're drowning in it like uh like some other shows would typically do like the shows i don't know did you ever watch that show scrubs a little bit so like scrubs had this thing of like their first second and third acts 
first act would always be like ridiculous. Second act, it would kind of find its drama. And then at the end of like that second act, you got the drama. As Dunkey would say, it's like, oh, there's so much drama here. <laughs> so, so like end of the second act, it gets heavy. And then by the end of the third act, like life isn't just worth living anymore. Like they try to make it worth living, but they've taken you too fucking far. Like they have it. They forgone the entertainment part and the character you grew to love has died I hate Scrubs. I'm not a big fan. Like <laughs> I, it was well done, but damn, that show would just leave me a mess. So this show doesn't do that. This show is more like it's got the same kind of pacing and heavy, like heavy moments as like Brooklyn Nine Nine, or maybe like The New Girl. Mm-hmm. Like those shows are, they're more about the laughs and they have like they reflect. Uh, some serious issues without it being the overwhelming part of the show. So yeah, Devante and Slater have one of those moments where Slater sees like this tall black kid and who's got some weight on him and is thinking like, Oh, you're a kid from the other high school. Well, you're like, you could be part of our football team. And he's like, why? Cause I'm a tall black kid. And I thought that was neat for how they set it up for the very last shot. But you're right. It was also kind of muted. And probably could have been handled a lot better. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, just because, you know, like I said, Devante's just like shuts it down. And like, I mean, it, the way yeah. that he shuts everybody down seems not even like he's like antisocial and like above everything, which would be annoying as is. But like, I mean, it, it's almost fourth wall breaking the way he shuts people down. So I, I don't know. I just find it. Hmm. Find it yeah. I don't know. He gets on my nerves a little bit is what I'm trying to say. But I did like that ending um, where everybody's like kind of finding their place. Aisha's playing football um, and he's singing his song and um, uh, Daisy and Mac like learn, you know, compromise on how to do homework together. And like you kind of see where everybody's going to fall in into their roles here while he's singing that song. So I, I did like that. Yeah. Ending. Yeah, Devante ends up, uh, instead of trying for football or doing what people might uh, presume him to do, uh, he does what he really wants to do, and that's try out for the school musical. Because he likes music, so he's going to do it. And yeah, later episodes, I think they give him a bit more to work with. And yeah, he can be really fucking funny, too. Um, yeah, We'll, we'll talk about it in whatever episode they pop up in, but his friends from Douglas are fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> uh, the other kids, the uh, the standard kids that you have from Bayside who are welcoming these new students in. You've got Mac Morris, who Parker described, son of Zach and Kelly. Uh, you got Lexi Haddad de Fabrizio. Uh, this is a... Uh, I don't know if she really compares to the old show because like she's like the only character on this show that seems to be of the uh, Bayside kids that seems to like know a bit more of what's going on. Like she's aware of how Bayside works and has more of an analytic view on it. Also comes out immediately in the first episode as being a transgender character, which I thought was going to be a throwaway line. Turns out that's a big part of this character's arc and how they relate to uh she relates to like other characters too so 
again, wasn't expecting it to come back. I was just like, oh, okay, so they're just mentioning this off the front to just sort of have it there. But no, they actually they actually work with that. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, James Ban. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, yeah, I agree. When they first mention it, they just mentioned that Lexi um, has her own reality show that chronicles her life um, as trans. And like, that's it. And then they just move on and don't mention it for a few more episodes. So, yeah, I thought it was like that was either like some sort of weird, like awkward introduction to her character or yeah, a throwaway yeah. joke or like some like it just seemed weird. But then when it comes back later, it's it's. I love it. Like there's a like a montage thing that they do later that connects her and Devante, which made me Holy shit. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that's really good. That's in like the what fourth did it make you episode. do? What did it make you do, Parker? I interrupted you. Oh, it just made me love the both of them. Yeah. More. Yeah. That does so too. Plays by Josie Tota, uh, a transgender actress. So the show is like is trying to put forward more actors that frankly would not have gotten pushed on the original um, say by the bell. Like Mario Lopez would have been the most uh, uh, unique character, but even his name was AC Slater. And they bring that up in the first episode too. when one of the kids frustratedly like is connecting with Slater and it's like, you know, I mean, it's got to be frustrating being like when the only Latino staff here yourself. He's like, thank you. No one ever really <laughs> talks about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jamie Spano is Jesse Spano's kid. He's a tall doofus hunk and he's on the football team, but he's really bad at it. And he's being the son of a uh, Jesse Spano. His middle name is Eleanor, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jesse, Jamie Eleanor Spano, but being like the son of Jesse Spano, he's, He's very much aware of like social interactions, despite being such a doofus, and is a very gentle giant, loving dude. Um, yeah, he's all like the yeah. It like there's no real like nerd Screech character, but if any of these people are the Screech, it would be him. I feel like he's very much the comic relief, like in a in a silly broad way. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that when watching it, but I think you're right. Um, he's not afraid to get messy. Like sometimes his reaction lines are going to be goofy, but I mean, don't get us twisted. This show is way, way funnier than anything that Screech ever said on Save by the Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Legitimately funnier, like not accidentally funny as Save by the Bell was. It very yeah. much makes fun of like the cornball, goofy, lighthearted shit that that show is trying to do. And I couldn't be more surprised and happy with it i'm probably gonna like watch the rest of this uh, once <laughs> <Yeah>. we're done <laughs> me too i was a little upset we didn't watch all 10 because it's uh it, yeah i mean we've been talking about it this whole time but like the show rules like it's so fucking good and funny <laughs> so yeah the jokes are fucking hilarious um and again just so so much like i know i missed jokes on this because i was laughing at other jokes and i i love that because it just gives me more reasons to watch it again like Mm -hmm. because i know i miss shit um who else do we oh we get a a cameo from ed alonzo in the first episode the original max owner who does not look like he's aged at all in a very good way like he looks great 
and he's still doing magic tricks. And I love that Mac Morris, upon seeing a magic trick in front of him at the max, goes, I love magic. <laughs> yeah, all the new kids are just like, what the fuck is happening? And then like all the Bayside kids are just like clapping and talking about how much they love magic. <laughs> it's so good. It's the um, line deliveries. The line deliveries remind me a bit of like Clone High and shit too. Like very funny, self-aware, like high school dramas have not been fun or cool for a long, long time. Maybe ever. So mm-hmm. this is a, uh, it's very self-effacing and very self-aware shit. Yeah. Um, and, and like they do a lot of like really like, par- like stuff that's very much parody and mocking the original. But it's done almost in like a naked gun way where like the, the Bayside kids specifically like sell it so hard that um, it it doesn't feel like parody. Like there's um, a scene where like Daisy, I think, is like having a dilemma about something and like she has a problem with Mac and Mac is like, well, should we go to the Max and have a dance off about it? <laughs> like, yes. like, just, like they constantly bring up stuff that like would be original Saved by the Bell stuff. Um, <laughs> and but like it's just like part of the reality of how Bayside works. So the original kids just play it so seriously. Like it's like that's their lives, you know. Like, um, like at one point they talk about uh, encasing the principal's car in ice, and like that's just part of their life. So they talk about it as if it were a serious thing. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. Like they talk about doing good schemes, and just building off what you were saying, like we'll get to this in episode, I think it's three. Um, But it turns out that Mac and Jamie are into the same girl. It takes them forever to figure it out because in old Bayside, like there would be that comic delay for the audience to, to be on the know that they weren't aware of what they were doing, like that they were both interested in the same girl. And then when it's revealed, then it's like, Oh, that's a comedic moment. And that happens, but it happens so achingly and painfully slowly that, like, Daisy is losing her mind. And after it happens, the two of them decide to have a, what is it referred to as? A gentleman's prank-off war agreement. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's... And Lexi, again, like, ever the analyst for the show, she's, like, explains that Bayside has its own mating rituals that are basically prank heavy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just like a perfect encapsulated way to describe the original show and to know that Bayside has been operating that way ever since. Like, it's just, it's ludicrous and very naked gun, like you say. It's like, this cannot be a police office because that guy's on fire and we don't see that guy's head ever, you know? But they're like, yeah, this is fine. This is exactly how it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like one of the pranks that happens is like Mac and um, little Spano go Jamie. into Jamie, go into a classroom where the girl that they both like is. And Jamie really loud goes, oh, man, you smell like hella dog poop. <laughs> and that's his prank. And then Mac is like, well, I hope so. And then he pulls out a puppy out of his, <laughs> book his bag. backpack. <laughs> yeah. And the girl accepts it lovingly, and Daisy's like, so she's just going to have a dog for the rest of the day now? Like, what is going on? Yeah. And then uh, we get, a, in that episode, we get uh, a very nice guest appearance by Patrick Thomas O'Brien as Mr. Dewey, mm-hmm. who's still teaching math at Bayside. And 
decides that he's going to be distracted this class period while the kids are taking a quiz because he has to write a customer complaint to Tinder for, <laughs> for something or other. But it was very well set up because it's Mr. Dewey. But he comes in the room and he's like, ladies, gentlemen, dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love seeing Mr. Dewey. And um, also in that episode, um, when Lexi is explaining how like schemes and, and pranks are like just part of their lives, she tells, I think it's Aisha, that um, she has her own schemes and they're called lexicons. And I think that's a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's too many fucking good jokes in this show. And Lexi delivers a lot of them, a lot of Bayside kids deliver them and even the Douglas transfer students are just like as the stars of this really fucking funny it's it's pretty incredible how funny this show is so just going forward like yeah cannot recommend enough but episode one um there were some weak spots uh and yeah like you're saying everybody kind of finds their place all the Douglas kid finds a new place at Bayside and yeah, that kind of wraps it out. Hey, 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 what is going on here? Hey, 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 hey what is going on here? Hey, hey, what is going on here? Oh, what's going on here? Hey, 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 what is going on here? Hey, 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 what is going on here? is going on here he started it <laughs> hey, hey, hey what is going on here so episode two is clubs and clicks and it's kind of seeing how they're progressing within their new areas and expertise we didn't mention that in episode one daisy wants to run for student president she's that's what she was doing at douglas before douglas closed so she finds out that she still has time to do it at bayside after being transferred and uh, ends up pulling through and winning. So she gets to be student body president, um, even though it was part of a scheme by Mac and Lexi. They were trying to get a parking spot, as was yeah. <laughs> pretty much set up by Zach Morris at the beginning of the episode. Uh, or not like that, but uh, yeah, it's all about getting that sweet, sweet parking spot. And then when Daisy realizes that's what had happened with them, uh, that they were like trying to do something for her in expectation to get something in return. Daisy instead's like, no, I mean, I didn't agree to any of this. So you spoke for me. So now I'm going to take my winnings and leave and use as a parking spot as a new drop off point for the Douglas students to be at instead of like 100 yards away from the school or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really nice moment. Um, I thought that was super fun. Um, and like, yeah, just like, I mean, we'll get it later on in episodes, but like the fact that Mac and Lexi put forth this scheme that that Daisy doesn't want any part of uh, is yeah. fun at first. But then later on, like you'll kind of see like, you know, I feel like Daisy is good for Lexi and Mac, but then also Lexi and Mac kind of like corrupt Daisy at points later on, which I think is fun. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting how it works out and plays out. It's pretty unique again wasn't expecting a lot with this show but pretty excited uh <laughs> this episode two with the clubs and clicks um 
does see like the Douglas kids advancing with their own stuff. Uh, Daisy utilizes the timeout feature a bit more to like talk directly to the audience about what's going on uh, in her world. And we also meet this PTA group. Um, I call it, it's like Parents for In Transit Youths, and it, the acronym is PITY. So they're giving mm-hmm. them like, <laughs> they're giving these Douglas students like toothbrushes and pregnancy tests. Yeah. And it's just like <laughs> wickedly weird shit. And again, was not expecting, but uh, the first class. Um, Daisy's excited because she's been bumped up to advanced placement English instead of like general English class. She's a go-getter. She wants to like prove that she's smart. Turns out Mac is in that class too. And when the teacher is collecting uh, summer book reports for Frankenstein, Mac gets out of it because he has a doctor's note for having seasonal dyslexia, which I thought was a very funny joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i like that joke quite a bit and then later on um he gets out of doing a book report about frankenstein by informing that pity group that the book is racist so they, they get it banned from school which is funny racist against frankenstein monsters which yeah. i thought was <laughs> it's like we don't discriminate <laughs> against black or white or green people <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Yeah, and that joke felt like really funny because like there's, um, there's like that tweet, um, that viral tweet a while back where like some right wing people were like, uh, I forget the exact context, but some right wing people were like, oh my god, can you believe that the left is trying to portray uh, Frankenstein's monster as the victim? This is woke culture at its worst, but it like. That is the book. Like he is the yeah. victim. So I, I thought it was maybe a play on that. And so I thought that was funny too. <laughs> well, yeah. It's uh anytime you saw a Frankenstein movie, it was probably with like Abbott and Costello though. You gotta get away from that monster. He's not a victim. <laughs> Abbott and Costello were hi- historically racist against Frankensteins. And mummies. And werewolves. <laughs> Anyone they ever met, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, um, Aisha has a crush on Jamie that is very funny. This show does not like pull any punches. Like these kids are very modern, and they use a lot more colorful language than like the Bayside kids, like Zach's generation ever did. Uh, Daisy accuses Aisha of being dickmatized by <laughs> Jamie, which is great, and uh, Jamie's vying for a position for. Uh, quarterback which has been jamie's role and uh it just kind of makes things a bit complicated for her because she wants to she wants to get that spot but she's also crushing pretty hard on this uh this tall doofus yeah and that's something that continues on um you know which is cool that they're like kind of serializing some of the arcs here um but then also not making them like creepy, like the way that Screech was with Lisa or Zach was with Kelly or Slater was with Kelly or Slater was mm-hmm. with Jesse. Yes. Okay. Yeah. A lot of creeps walking around. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I like seeing that. Um, their, their relationship is cute too. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's that 
there's like also a funny thing that happens where like Jesse gets mad at Slater over his reluctance to make Aisha the quarterback. So when he does, Jesse gets mad at Slater and accuses him of just making Aisha the quarterback to get back at her. Uh, and then Slater has to break it to her that it's because uh, Jamie just sucks at football. And I thought that was funny. Yeah. Aisha gets, uh, Aisha ends up being the one to tell him about it. And I thought it's a very funny way. They introduced this mechanic early on when Jamie finds out that he's going to be a second string, like the backup QB. Uh, he is just so upset, just so sad because he was already <laughs> sad because he just learned that they discontinued tricks and the tricks rabbit never got to taste that delicious cereal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so he, he gets surrounded by uh, his other teammates and Aisha's expecting like a full rebuttal. Like these guys are just getting together to collude and to kick her out because she's seen this back at Douglas and she's like, not, you know, I'm prepared for this. Instead, they're having an intervention with Jamie and give him what they call the feelings helmet, which is a football helmet covered in like <laughs> glittery stickers. <laughs> and it it's like a talking stick or whatever. Like you get to hold it to give your feelings. And he gives his feelings by saying it's like, I feel sad, but not beautiful sad. Like the last day of summer. <laughs> and he's like, it's like, I feel sad, sad. You know, and then he gets a group hug from his football team. The football team is pretty fucking funny. Um, oh my god! I mean, there's more bits to do, but fuck, that was the feeling. That summits come back when uh, Jamie challenges Aisha to a tryoff because they're already tryouts, and Aisha was better, <laughs> so he wants to do a tryoff, like a dance off. And Aisha's like, "Well, I'll see you at the fifty yard line." And Jamie's like, "Well." Let's make it the football field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when she meets him there, uh, the way she's talking about it and ramping herself up, she's mentioning to Daisy. It's like she's getting frustrated. She's like, I'd knock him down if he didn't have such a beautiful mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and she finally meets him out there, uh, but has the feelings helmet with her. And she's like, I want to tell you how I feel about this and gives a rundown of like always being told that she didn't belong and everything. And then Jamie hears her out and is receptive to it and decides like, you know, I'm still a teammate, so I'll do that. That's the kind of like uh, resolution that the show goes for. It's kind of what you were alluding to, where it's like it doesn't really waste its moments. It actually gets stuff done and like talks about the heavy stuff, but still makes it funny. And brings it back to being something funny too um so yeah, yeah that was cool. i, I like their their back and forth it's pretty great yeah they're fun and yeah like like you were saying like i think it would be easy to just kind of make this show like like whenever original say by the bell tried to do something serious like with the drinking episode or the episode where the actor came to do a a dare psa but he actually smoked weed um or things yeah. like that like it was so terrible um, and I think that a lot of sitcoms are like that, even sitcoms today, like just, it's, it's not the format where you can really get a message across easily and it be, uh, not cringy. And I think the show does a really good job of, of doing just that. 
um, which is surprising within the framework of Save by the Save by the Bell universe to be able to do that. No one has ever cracked that code. We've watched six yeah. seasons and two movies and a spinoff, and you know, I guess maybe the new class did it. We didn't watch that. Maybe it's very good. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> and yeah, but in the Save by the Bell universe, no one's ever been able to crack that code. And this season of the reboot is just does it flawlessly flawlessly and fearlessly like i can't get over like how they managed to work some of these bits in even when i'm like laughing at this shit because it's like yeah exactly what you were saying whether it was um any sort of psa message about like uh drinking or whatever message they're trying to get across like even with pollution like Mm -hmm. you know finding (laughs) this duck is looks really hurt like it's just so clumsy and goofy cornball and just like poorly executed. Like that's what made that that's what made OG say by the bell like fun to watch. Like, it was all inadvertent, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe it means something when you're a kid, but not really. It was just kind of fluff between cartoons and the rest of your Saturday. So like this was uh, the fact that it became a cult phenomenon and people revisited it and like, they're using this availability to work in like here's what modern high school students are talking about and thinking about and and still just having fun with it all it's like yeah it's really good um mm-hmm. really enjoyable yeah. so the second episode is like uh daisy and mac are colliding because mac is skating by life he's living on his privilege and daisy is really into like proving herself and making sure that like challenges are met and uh doesn't think that she has reached through to zach because the book gets completely canceled and all the reports that have uh, been written are tossed out by the teacher because she can no longer teach it since it's a racist book now <laughs> and daisy goes back to a locker and finds a folded up piece of paper and she's reading it and it's uh, a book report about frankenstein by mac morris and she's going through it and it's like we can all relate to this creature being ostracized and marginalized uh, for myself i don't believe my parents spent enough time talking to me and then that's the it that's it yeah. she gets to like <laughs> half the page she unfolds it and realizes that was all that was written and she's like wow mac that's really impressive that you at least tried and you also need lots of therapy <laughs> <laughs> yeah he mentions that like he can relate to the drama of Frankenstein because it's the story of a dad trying to like impress his own life onto his kid and stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's really funny, but it's also like a great like kind of character moment where you kind of see some actual humanity out of you know the person who is kind of the template for Zach Morris. Like uh, you know what's so fun about Mac is that he's Mac and he's his own character, but I mean for all intents and purposes, it is sort of like breaking the fourth wall and just putting Zach into this reboot as well. Like, and so to kind of humanize him in that way is, is super fun. We'd often talked about Zach Morris when reviewing those old episodes as being like a Patrick Bateman type character, mm-hmm. or maybe even like the guy from like Glamorama where it's just like, he's, he's kind of beyond reality and is a bit of a sociopath. So, yeah, the kid of said character would be kind of messed up. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm, I mean, and kind of like exhibit similar features, which I'm glad that 
that was that wasn't lost on the writers like yeah he is his own person but he's he's dealing with a lot and is also has too much money at his uh, at his expense mm-hmm. um it also in, in this uh to skip to episode three my i think my favorite joke in this entire series um which is kind of a, a callback to the old series or the the kind of jokes that would be in the old series, but also shows how how much of a sociopath Mac is, is um what I keep forgetting Jesse's kid's name. What's his name? Jamie. Jamie, yeah. Jamie's talking about how one time Zach dressed up like a girl to make him fall in love with her, so that Mac Mac, I mean, could steal Jamie's car. Which is like such a great like old timey Zach Morris prank to do, but then like they kind of like goof on him for a second, and Jamie's like, "Well, you know, it was easy to fall in love with him because he was so beautiful." And he's like, "Oh no, I still feel it." So it's, it's funny that he's still in love with this fake version of Mac. <laughs> he's like. You know, it was easy to fall in love with him all over again with the top down and his hair in the wind. Oh, no, it's happening again. Yeah. He's like beside himself. I also love the cold open to this because because Mac decides to just come and talk to uh, it's Daisy and Aisha and Daisy's Aisha already bet Daisy. Fifty dollars, and then has to correct herself fifty cents because she's been hanging out with these Bayside kids too much. Um, that Daisy can't go a week without saying something snarky or mean about Bayside because she hates it so much and finds it to be so privileged. And then Mac comes in. He's like, "Hey, what's up? Uh, I think I just met the love of my life. She's this blonde woman, perfect ten, and." Uh, recently had mono so you know she's a good tongue kisser <laughs> and and daisy bites her own tongue and it's just like yeah that's great mac but then jamie jumps in he's like hey i just met the girl of my dreams blonde hair perfect 10 recently sick <laughs> that to be so fucking funny <laughs> it's such, i've never <laughs> It, it works for the context of that joke, and I, so I love it so much because I like there'd be no other instance where somebody would come in and be like, "Oh man, I just met the greatest girl, beautiful, I mean, just perfect body." She was recently sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I assume that they probably wrote and filmed that before COVID, but I feel like a lot of people are going to feel that way soon. Like she was recently sick, so she's got antibodies. She's no longer. <laughs> <you> know, like, <laughs> I feel like that's going to be a real thing. Somebody, uh, uh, Sarah, my wife, was talking about like somebody's tweet where they had uh, mentioned like this new world we live in is fucked up because guys on Tinder used to be like getting them getting photos themselves with their new tattoo, and now they're getting photos themselves with their vaccine shots. <laughs> so it's, like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's hang out. I just I just got my second dose. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, the Bayside Triangle is episode three. Um, starts off with thirty iPads being stolen from Principal Todman's office, and no one's sure who did it, but all eyes are on Douglas students because they're from the wrong side of the tracks. 
um, as Bayside students would have it. So there's a lot of inner turmoil from Bayside students to maintain their image. Like they're still really fresh here and they want to look good. So they even have some inner turmoil of like, did Devante do it? Because he had done some pretty ridiculous stuff. He was almost like the Zach Morris of uh, Douglas because he was pulling weird pranks and well, generally just like stealing shit like off UPS trucks and whatnot that they mention, mm-hmm. uh, which is all kind of funny. But Aisha confronts him about it and she's like, you did the same exact, you stole iPads back at Douglas. And he's like, those weren't iPads. Those were Radio Shack infotainment squares. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's really good. With one app that said, this is Facebook, not a Russian app. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, Devante gets really, gets a lot more to work with on episode three. Um, episode two, we, we kind of glossed over. He just kind of uh, brushes off Lexi. So again, just, kind of muted like parker was pointing out the first episode too um he does come off as a loner and all this and wants a fresh start but writers didn't really give him a lot to do until episode three and he's fucking great like i like him uh starting especially with this episode because he and aisha clash a bit and you don't see like the douglas kids clashing too much just yet like this is a kind of a unique occurrence where they're like you know this is all kind of fucked up but it's also a lot of interesting opportunity for us too mm-hmm. um i like that a lot because you know huh. if this show was written in a lesser way like it would just make it easy to make all the douglas kids like stick together or something so it is good like like i said when daisy and aisha have conflict over the fact that one of them likes bayside and one of them doesn't and then now they have conflict with Devonte. like i i think that's interesting because you know they could just write it in a real like one-dimensional way and they don't and i think that's really good and again going back to your earlier comments that like the the same weirdo corny bullshit of bayside high still is happening the crux of this is that if they don't find the missing ipads then the school doesn't get to have their ice cream social at the end of the week. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so fucking funny that they're like, <laughs> that's what they're, <laughs> that's what they're like amped up about. And that's the consequence of 30 fucking stolen iPads. Uh, the, pre- <laughs> the principal decides to implement a new teaching, a, a new, um, uh, form of administration called the uh, in order to give rewards for anybody who has information about this which jesse spano immediately shoots down or like tries to get rid of but he calls it the stitches get ri- uh, snitches get riches bucks yeah <laughs> i like that joke very much um so he's hoping that uh people will submit uh submit what they know for what does he call it a tattle raffle and Mm -hmm. i think the uh the rewards are like a vizio tv from best buy or some nonsense um yeah it's it's really fucking funny daisy struggles between uh seeing mac and jamie go through their gentleman's prank war um Mm -hmm. mac is always like three steps ahead of jamie in this kind of spy versus spy prank off um 
but ultimately Daisy cannot win the bet that she has promised and gets frustrated and uh, confronts Jamie Mack directly with the girl that they're obsessing over and forces the girl to choose or at least like asks the girl to choose like do you want to go to the dance with either of these two men because they both like you and she picks Jamie so Jamie's excited about that Mac is then approached by a concerto violinist who he has arranged (laughs) to come to serenade Pamela the girl of question and he's like no I don't need you to play here anymore but while you're here could you instead play Bitch Better Have My Money? And the guy starts playing Bitch Better Have My Money on violin. And Mac just watches him in the hallway with like an upset face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really fucking good. Um, and then, well, at the, and then to continue that plot line, like at the ice cream social, they get into like a, an ice cream food fight over the girl, uh, Zach or Mac and uh, Jamie do. And yeah. so, he grabs an ice cream, Mac does, and puts it down Jamie's pants. And he's like, he's like, you're lucky my penis was really hot today. <laughs> <laughs> the lines, the delivery is just given with such conviction. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole cat, like, all the younger actors are just really fucking good comedians. I don't, I mean, the only one that I've known anything about, like, I've done any research on, is the guy who plays Devante, because he's, was in Maze Runner. And never saw those movies, but he has, like, like a, he has a resume. So it's just, like, these aren't, like, totally new faces to the craft, and, man, they handle it well. Yeah, I was dying at that line. Uh, you're looking my penis was hot today. <laughs> yeah, they get a fight at the ice cream social. Um, Lexi has confided with Daisy about having a crush on Jamie for a few years now. Uh, and how she doesn't want to... Has, she doesn't want to spoil the friendship or anything. Um... And we, I think Daisy asked Lexi at one point, like, well, why don't you tell us? She's like, because it's a crush and it's pathetic and I don't want to seem relatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they find some alliance and friendship in that uh, now that Daisy has revealed something about herself to or now that Lexi has revealed something about herself to Daisy that she hadn't previously told anyone. So. They get a little bit closer. Um, I actually kind of forget how Mac and Jamie resolve at the end of this. Oh, uh, yeah, they talk Slater. to Slater. Yeah, they talk Slater, to Slater intervenes. And then yes. Slater, trying to relate his own experiences, realizes that in talking it out that he's dated both of these children's moms and they're just so confused. Yeah. He's, and then he, yeah, he says, you know, you, you got to put your friends before girls because um you know that's what's important in life and then he talks about how you know he dated max mom kelly and so the kids are like oh so you mean you know one of these because like you know obviously kelly went on to marry zach and so they're like oh so one of these girls that we're fighting over could turn out to be our wives in the future 
Um, yeah. And, you know, like if we don't fight ab- over them, then, you know, everything could be different. Our entire lives could be different. We could get married or not married to the person we're supposed to be married to. And it makes Mac and Jamie make up, but then it leaves Slater depressed because I guess he's <laughs> unsure whether or not he should have married Kelly. <laughs> yeah, no, he's left reflecting because he's told, yeah, exactly. He told these kids, like, listen, if he, the kids relate back to him, like, so if, Zach hadn't won Kelly's affection, she might have married you, and I wouldn't have been born. And then, like, yeah, and if if you weren't fighting over Kelly, then my mom wouldn't have met her guy. So Slater realizes that he had lost that gentleman's prank war, and yeah. life could have been totally different for him, and probably for the state as well. And he's just kind yeah. of left there and to ruminate over that. There's a lot mm-hmm. of great shots of Slater just, like, left alone ruminating like <laughs> like what am i doing here uh yeah that's right that's how they do it still covered in ice cream in jimmy's which i thought was funny mm-hmm. both those kids uh that brings us to episode four the fabulous birchwood boys um as class president daisy is obligated to plan and organize the harvest dance for which the school has reserved a ten thousand dollar budget um to cut costs, she wants Mr. Todman's band, the Birchwood Boys, to play. But Mac tells her that she should just spend all the money uh, and act like a rich person. So she fires Todman's band, and they get um, Mac's neighbor, Post Malone, to play instead. Which is a funny moment, because Mac, like, she's like, well, who can we get to play instead? And she's like, well, my neighbor is Post Malone. Maybe he knows who can play the concert. <laughs> yeah. And he describes him as like, yeah, I see him all the time. He's usually uh, standing up asleep in his yard, watering the grass. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, and he's like, I'm going to go wake up post and see if he knows anyone. <laughs> and so, yeah, so so Mac influences Daisy to to be like a rich person and, and buy extravagant things for this, which, of course, goes through her head and she starts being mean to everybody. Um, and this, I love this episode because it's it's Mac corrupting daisy and then daisy seeing the error of her ways um and it kind of yeah. shows how how corruptible you know be, you know even like the, the most nice pure people like daisy can be corrupted by by this wealth and privilege and i and i you know i i mean you know it's 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 funny and it's true and it's uh it's 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 just and you know it's just funny to see her you know corrupted by mac because mac is so just absurdly funny like the lesson of this episode is that um money caught like having too much money will cause you problems but then all you need is more money to get out of that (laughs) trouble and then daisy's like what are you talking about you know that isn't the way it should be you know that's terrible terrible (laughs) and then he's like well here let me give you some money It's so good. Oh, you're gonna give me some money. And then she like reluctantly takes it. <laughs> and oh it's, and, it's so good. <laughs> so the Bayside uh or the fabulous Birchwood boys is Todman's band who um are gonna play and he kinda like he's walking around the class like walking around the halls like playing air guitar and talking about rock and roll and stuff, which is a very belding trait. You know, he was the big bopper yeah. and everything. So I was on the edge of my seat hoping that that Belding was one of the fabulous Birch Boyd boys, and he wasn't. And I was really let down. 
Um, and there's no mention of Belding. I, I spoiled myself. He's not in any of these episodes. So um, it seems weird. I don't know if like he has like behind the scenes drama or if he just doesn't want to do it or what. But Belding was the through line, you know, f- from all the shows. He was in the original. Um, I think he was in, you know, even Good Morning Miss Bliss. He was on the college years. He showed up for an episode. He was in the new class. So I, I'm, I, re- I think you really need Belding to show up at some point. Um, yeah. Were, I was were you really missing? Exp- huh? Were you missing Belding at all? Yeah, I was, and I was, I was missing any sort of Belding references. Um, the principal kind of embodies the doormat principal that Belding was to like all these students who would just like do pranks and stuff. But we never get like a, Hey, 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 what's going on here? Which I was really expecting. Um, mm-hmm. I kept waiting for that moment to happen, but then like that was only through episode two or three by that point, like the show had pretty much taken over and made a name for itself. And I was like, I kind of forgot about it. Um, but yeah, during the first two ups, I was, I was definitely missing building. I was more excited to see Mr. Dewey, to be honest. Um, yeah he's great yeah he is and i've been looking at like cameos going forward for like lisa turtle uh so that'll be interesting to have like lark four he's on Mm -hmm. um and then same with i mean i understand like dustin timon is uh, a dickhead and he probably doesn't want to do the show and even if he did because of all his legal troubles and stuff he probably wouldn't be invited but like it does feel weird to have any iteration of say by the bell without screech. Like, I feel like if they do another season, he ha- like they kind of have to mention at least mention him, right? Like he has, he's, he's so synonymous or, with the show or at least allude to it. Like just talk about how there was some kid who made robots or something like that. Or I don't know what, like, yeah. Cause Talk about a through line. Screech was the real connecting thread through everything. Like, mm-hmm. he was in the new class, right? Yeah, he was and, there, like, the entire time, I think. Him and building, I think. Yeah. So, Can I mean, even if they go kids. to, like, the... Even if they go to, like, the Samuel Powers uh, Memorial <laughs> Science Lab or something, like, I, I feel like they just kind of mention him in some way. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Um... And the same with Belding, like there's there's got to be some mention of Belding because um, they made so many like deep cut jokes and and folded in so many references anyway. Um, so it'd be hard not to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the principal's band, the Birchwood Boys, refers to the uh, um, apartment center Birchwood Estates that the principal is now living in because he's his story arc is that he's steadily going through a divorce and it's ruining his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last episode, we didn't mention that the, the iPads were never really lost. They were tucked behind a box of photos that the principal had moved into his office along with most of his other home goods and supplies. <laughs> like his, his Nordic Trek was in his office and it was too crowded. <laughs> so he could not find that he himself had not lost the iPads. He just kept too many home belongings in there because he's moving out and mm-hmm. he's taking showers at the school, which is creeping out the students because he's like whistling while carrying a shower caddy. 
Um, yeah, so these are the some of the other single divorcees he's met at the estates. They're all men. Uh, and the only song that they know how to play is Escape, uh, which is the If You Like Pina Colada song. Yep. And his introduction of it by saying like, all right, do you mind if we start with the Pina Colada song and that we keep playing it because it's the only song that we know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And uh, Daisy on a kick of being like, of going through these selections process and being able to spend more money and convince herself and others that she's demanding from to do better, like saying, we can do better. She confronts uh, the principal and decides to take back the invitation to play and is trying to be nice about it at first, but then she tells him to his face, we can do better. And it's a very cool moment where they decide to use this one-off joke that had been funnier earlier, where it's like first she's getting like some balloons and then some more balloons, and then she's like, we can do better, we can do better. There's a a tray of advertisers being offered to her by the server as an example of what she could have. She's like, we can do better. Then it's like shooters, and she's like, we can still do better. And then they change the server to somebody more handsome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just joke. And she's like, yes. So when she finally tells it to somebody that she's like closely worked with and has already encouraged to be part of this uh, student sanctioned event, she's like, she starts eating her own hat like it's it's becoming clear that she's uh corrupted with power and is like treating people like shit Mm -hmm. the volunteers decide to leave and uh she tries making some of the decorations herself and it looks miserable it's very funny mac approaches her and offers to help uh that's where that line comes in about like um spending more money or no it's not there yet that's he ends up making everything look amazing and she's like how'd you do this and just a little help and he pulls in like the volunteers by offering them all like floor uh uh what was it oh um his dad's clippers tickets clippers tickets yeah mm-hmm. um so he basically buys them off to help out and that's where that line comes in about like if you ruin something with money, just throw more money at it till it gets better. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, once they get to the dance, it's uh, what I thought was really brilliant was at the end, like Zach's or Max up there on stage invites Daisy up to share the accolades. And then he says, like, she's not said anything yet. And he goes, so without further ado, here's Post Malone. And then Daisy steps in and is like, wait, I got something to say. Like, her conscious cues in. She apologizes to everybody that she hurt. And then she goes, and you know what? I've got a special announcement. Uh, Principal Todman. And I love this because Principal Todman's there with the Birchwood boys. <laughs> and Principal Todman is eating cake. And without missing a beat, just goes, oh, I'm sorry. Would you like us to leave? <laughs> So very friend. it's so sad and he's like so friendly about it. he's like oh oh i'm sorry was i not supposed to be here <laughs> like he's a fucking principal of course he's supposed to, yeah but she goes no would you you're a special guest you get to play the the dance it's after that moment and max like reflecting with her about everything that had happened 
And she's like, oh, what happened with Post Malone? And Max like, what do you mean? And she goes, isn't he back there? Doesn't isn't he frustrated that he's not going to play? And he's like, he's a platinum selling artist. He's not going to play a school gym for a dance. <laughs> and she's like, well, what would have happened if I didn't step in? And Mac goes, hmm, that's an interesting question. Who knows what would have happened? Because <laughs> that's something that happens on so many episodes of Saved by the Bell, where it's like somebody has their moment of conscious moment, uh, or moment, you know, like their conscience kicks in, and they step up to the plate, and that's how the episode resolves. So, like, there was, like, some band that was going to play that was, like, really big that the show talks about, like, Michael Jackson or something. And and then, like, it's just never talked about again. Like, what happened to that band? And for this show to leave room for that and to make a joke out of it, I just thought that was, it was very funny. It was very much, like, those parts of, uh, those seasons of The Simpsons, like, five or six, where the show was, again, very self-aware. And it's, like, you know, they would, make jokes about themselves or at least like the the animated sitcom format um yeah this does it too i'm i'm kind of mad at how good this is because it's not giving us a lot of room to make fun of it (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) yeah and what makes that so much better too to to make your frustration even more frustrating is that it it's a it's a com it's a joke about the just the format of saved by the bell but it also um, brings up the idea that Mac believed in Daisy and knew that she would have that moment of clarity. And so he mm-hmm. didn't even bother getting Post Malone. Like, that's kind of the way I took it as well. So oh, in, in okay. addition to being a meta joke, it's also a character moment. And that's yeah. when you want to go punch these writers right in the face for being so good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um. Oh, at the dance, Jamie asks Aisha to be his date. Um, Lexi had been trying to work up the nerve to ask Jamie to go out and feels too much pressure about it and has only been talking to Daisy about it. So then she sees Aisha with Jamie and and now is a little bit beside herself and is like wondering what to do next. Um, the running jag, the running gag in this episode from like start to finish is that there are these senior students who mm-hmm. look progressively older. So they're like the first one you see is this guy with a five o'clock shadow. And he's like, Hey Lexi, you want to go to the dance? And she's like, I'm still thinking about it. And then another guy approaches her who has like a full beard and looks like <laughs> a dad. And it's like, Lexi, my friend's really into you. And it's a guy with thinning hair. <laughs> <laughs> and then they they make mention that one of the other guys in a letterman jacket um has an iraq war uh cap on and <laughs> yeah. is dancing next to the jukebox and there's like other older characters it was kind of a one-off joke but they kept coming back with it um and it didn't really tie in anything else it was just kind of like it was just kind of making you aware that like these were the characters asking about the dance and that's how they introduced that part so i guess there was that but they bring it up a whole hell of a lot in this episode. And yeah, the, the actors on Save by the Bell looked really fucking old. But uh, this joke kind of... I don't know if it hit as strongly for me as other jokes. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny at first. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's kind of bringing attention to that trope of, like, the students looking too old. And then I thought about it, and I was like, 
But that wasn't like necessarily a Saved by the Bell thing. Like everybody on like the main cast on Saved by the Bell was age appropriate. Like this is more of like a 90210 joke. Like this doesn't really belong yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It did feel like it wasn't particularly uh, tailored to this show. Felt like it was something that was kind of a talking point for any other high school, maybe even more like high school primetime show. Because, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, the only people who seemed, like, horribly miscast were usually, like, the people they put up front, like, the dating interest. Um, like, Kelly's boyfriend who was in college who looked like he was 29 or something. Oh, yeah, that guy. That guy who, like, ha- was the manager of the hotel in Hawaii. Yeah, that guy was no good. <laughs> that was not No, good. not at all. Yeah. So, yeah, like... I think that would have been the way to go is had some character introduced who was clearly older, but then that's like that kind of interferes with the dynamics that they're doing with the, the principal cast, like who are already like too good and see through all the Bayside bullshit, at least the Douglas students do. So yeah, having it as like a running gag probably made more sense. I'm waiting for when the show introduces a character and it's like, we're going to have a lot of memories with you. And then they never talk about them again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, it... Kids are fine with it. But like Douglas kids are like, what the fuck happened? You're just going to let that go? <laughs> like they might be missing. Yeah, I'm I'm sure if this show goes on, there's only 10 episodes in this season. But if it I haven't heard anything about a season two or anything, but I'd imagine that they have to do something on like the Tory paradox where it's like Tori's just there and then she's gone and no one ever mentions it. Like there has to be a character like that. Yeah. But I guess we'll see. Um, Another thing in episode four, uh, which is kind of like the B story, is that um, Devante's trying out for the the musical and he gets into a fight with Lexi uh, and says that, you know, he doesn't want to like that. The drama kids are kind of a joke and he doesn't want to look like them and be perceived as dorky like they are, um, which is why he doesn't like try hard. Like he wants to do the singing, but he doesn't want to do the acting. He says Lexi's uh, a joke. And then he goes, and then we finally get a a call back to the the weird intro uh, info dump joke from the first episode where he catches her uh, reality show on on TV while he's flipping through channels. And it's like her. Yeah, it's like a rerun of her first day coming out um, as trans and her first day going back to school. And she talks about how... um, you know, she's scared, but she's going to do it. And she just doesn't want to be called a joke. And it, it makes Devante cry. And so he <laughs> goes and decides to give it his all and apologize, like in the play, and then also apologize to Lexi. And that whole thing was so wonderful. It was so charming and cute. And it made me mm-hmm. like both of those characters who I, I already liked um, Lexi. I thought she was really funny, but like kind of kind of one dimensional a little bit. And then I, I hated Devante, but. I loved them. I just wanted to hug them both after the after this. How did you feel about this? Yeah, absolutely loved it as well. And well, yeah, Devante's friends who are now at Valley. Um, mm-hmm. Devante's hanging out with them, and this is something that, like, again, felt like it came a little bit late in the these first few episodes. But I understand with like the time and all that and the constraints and so many good jokes this had to be pushed like here because it makes sense for the episode. Devante's hanging out with like two of his friends who are now going to Valley. So he doesn't know what they've been up to. And 
it comes out that they've also been trying to reinvent themselves and they're really embarrassed about it. Or at least one of them is. Because mm-hmm. his first day he tried to wear a a new hat to be known as like a hat guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like this very <laughs> this very sweet but very like into himself dude. And he puts on this like all bright red fedora and they start cracking jokes on him and are relentless. They call him Carmen San Diego. <laughs> One of them refers to him as Al Capone's only black friend. <laughs> <laughs> and he just gets he gets so like he gets the picture and he's like, all right, he takes it off. So he and his friend leave the room while Devante's watching that clip as he's trying to find something on TV. And then when they come back, they find him crying. And Devante's like, listen, man, I'm trying to reinvent myself too. I want to be in a musical. I love, I, I just love music. So I'm going to do this. And they're like, that's cool, dude. That's fine. And then the other friend slowly gets his hat back out and puts it back on. They're like, no. <laughs> uh, hilarious. And yeah, everything about Lexi and uh, Devante, like him meeting her back in the hallway and then uh, being up front and apologizing about everything and then going ahead and proving that he wants to get out of his comfort zone and not be seen as a joke by running the scene as he was asked to do at the beginning of the episode, but doing it impromptu in the middle of the hallway. And Lexi steps in time and does it with him. <laughs> the writing the writing like for the play is just abysmal. It's a, by a drama writer who shows up earlier and has like a very Simpson like joke where he's like, can you believe that they kicked me out of Juilliard for getting straight ups? <laughs> it's like very funny jokes like that. But it's a uh, it's some kind of like Miss Saigon story, but about surfing. So it's this musical about like a, an army corporal who. Uh, what's his name? Like Big Kahunahowski or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's like Polish or something. It's like he, the Big Kahunski or, or Big he's Kahunski. Like, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's like Sergeant Kahunski, but then they call him Big Kahuna. <laughs> <laughs> so he delivers his lines in a really over-the-top actor's fashion. Uh, Lexi acknowledges that it's garbage, but it's a start. And yeah, it's a very sweet moment without being like again without being like saccharine or anything. Or uh, just too too heavy, and easily could have been like the, again the way it's revealed where he watches that moment where she has like those exact lines of like I just want to be perceived as a joke, um, and it hits him, and he's like yeah that was kind of messed up, um, yeah, yeah it's wonderful it's and really it's, good yeah and especially considering the subject matter and how topical it is like. Yeah, I feel like a lesser writer's room would be like, all right, we're really going to hammer this home. This is going to be our Emmy moment. We're going to have Lexi, you know, show off all her feelings about uh, transitioning. And this is going to be like our big, you know, like dare episode moment or something. But they don't like they they bring it in. They res- they give it restraint and it still has all the emotional um, gravitas, but fits within, you know, the, the tone of the show without kind of going overboard. It's really, really well executed. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty phenomenal how it's they make it look so easy. Because, like, watching uh, um, over the holidays, we checked out that new Kristen Stewart film. Um, and it's uh, about the couple 
going home for Christmas, but her girlfriend has not come out to the family. They don't know that she's gay. So Christian Stewart's perceived as like a friend visiting for Christmas. And it's supposed to be a comedy, but they hit like that's the entire movie. And I saw a lot of complaints from uh, friends who were saying like, just once when I experience a lesbian film where it's not the struggle of coming out, like I just want it to be a character trait. That's it. Cause this seems to be like the only thing that's done. Um, still a fine movie, but it's like, it's a good critique. Cause it just seems like it's always the forerunner for it. And mm-hmm. that's what I like about how they're handling the Lexi character is that it is a character trait. Lexi is trans and has like moments to talk about it and address it with bigger arcs and connections with other characters, like the connection with Devante. So it's yeah, they do a pretty mm-hmm. incredible job. I was not expecting this from um, anything with the name Saved by the Bell in it. Uh, yeah, and so I mean yeah. above and beyond, like her her main like you could you couldn't watch the show. And I mean, I, I mean, maybe for descriptive purposes or whatever, but like, you know, I feel like a lot of shows like this, like you'd be like, oh, yeah, Lexi is the trans character. But in this, it's like, no, Lexi is Lexi. Like, in first yeah. and foremost, she's, you know, has all these, you know, actual behavioral traits and things. And like you said, it's her orientation is just uh, that's just who she is. But like, you know, she's got all, you know, she has all these other facets, which I feel like other shows don't do really. <laughs> you know yeah yeah first and foremost lexi comes off to me as like the ambassador for bayside like has had this unique experience that allows for like the analytical view of it and how is totally understands that it's weird but loves it also and mm-hmm. is willing to like be enveloped in that chaos daisy can see it for how weird it is but is resisting and cannot get over the fact that it's so bizarre like it is like it is Wonderland still, like it's too ludicrous, too crazy. Yeah, um, and also, and also another thing I like about Lexi is she's still a butthole. Yeah, <laughs> still, a, still a complete <laughs> prick. It's like just a really shitty. It can be really shitty and relentlessly like catty to people. Um, oh, I did like the running gag in that second episode, even though Devante really had nothing to do with it. It would be like the text chat threads and like Devante would keep leaving the group chat because he didn't want to know oh, part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like he didn't really do anything with it. It's just a very funny how they pulled it off. Also, I liked uh, how Slater used his phone as a means to provide a flashback. It's kind of unnecessary, but it, it definitely beat like how other shows just call up oh do you remember that time like doing the family guy thing where it's like you remember that time we did this now he pulls out a phone again kind of showing how different this is than like 1990s saved by the bell like he's got footage of jamie being really terrible at football and shows that to his mom jesse um and it cuts back to it it's like a little bookend device they used to to do the flashback but still thought it was neat I hadn't seen that used in that way before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was the fabulous Birchwood Boys. Uh, for Rent-A-Mom, episode five, uh, Jazzy tells Daisy 
that she thinks Daisy's perfect for a summer leadership program in New York. Um, but Daisy's afraid to ask her mom's permission since she thinks that her mom, who's incredibly busy uh, with the home and the job and uh, Daisy's younger brother, uh, that summer break just wouldn't be possible. They would need a babysitter and worry about the strain of it. Uh, Jesse leaves a message on her mom's answering machine. So Daisy also gets a message from Jesse Spano saying that she had left a message on her mom's voicemail because these she's totally at the whim of parents and has to be in constant contact with them or else the parents uh, fight back and are annoyed with not getting enough communication. So she's even contacting the kids as like full force communication style here. Um, uh, Daisy asked Mac and Lexi to help prevent Jesse and her mom from meeting. So Mac and Lexi hire a professional actress to pretend to be Daisy's mom and gets a meeting between her and uh, Jesse to happen to basically con Jesse, allowing Daisy enough time to go into Jesse's office and pretend to be Jesse Spano when the mom calls or in calling back the mom. Um, so yeah, Mac and Lexi are basically setting up a classic Bayside scheme to help out their new friend. And I like when they offer their help. Lexi explains that they may call on Daisy to help them out at a future moment, like very Godfather-esque. Like, <laughs> we may call upon you in the future to help us with something and you cannot refuse. And she's like, okay, I understand. Well, will you help me? And they're like, yes. And then Mac immediately goes, can I have the rest of your fries? That is the thing that I'm asking you in the future that I can do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Lexi's like, Zach, Mac, you can't keep doing this. And he's like, I've got no impulse control. Um, again, a very, a very Zach Morris type moment. Um, so they help her out. They get her a, an actress from a couple of headshots. <clears throat> who's been in some kind of gum commercial or uh, yeah, it was a gum commercial because Jesse comments like, you look so familiar. Like you're from those gum commercials. Mm-hmm. And well, it's funny because uh, they show her like all these like headshots and they're like, you know, who do you want to play your mom? And she's like, how about the only Latina? And they're like, well, that's a little creatively devoid, but we'll go for it. <laughs> or creatively safe. <laughs> yeah. Creatively safe. Um, and yeah, it's basically, Daisy's afraid to talk to her mom, so instead uh, imitates Dr. Spano's voice uh, in order to communicate to her mom that, you know, just to make that connection that was promised on the voicemail so that Jesse never actually talks to her mom about the uh, uh, leadership program because she's too afraid to do it. Jesse doesn't want to have that talk with her mom just yet. Yeah. The other storyline... Well, when she called... Sorry, but when, when she calls, uh, she's like, hello, this is Dr. Spano. I recently bought a Volvo and I'm white or something like that. <laughs> yeah, she's she's prepping. She's doing like her uh, vocal uh, uh, training to try to imitate Jesse Spano. And she's like, I am Jesse Spano. I am Jesse Spano. Uh, I would like to buy a Volvo. Yes, I am white. And then she calls her mom and yeah, she's like, hi, I am Jesse Spano. I drive a Volvo and I am white. <laughs> and she's like, 
why did I say that? And her mom's like, uh, congratulations. You called me. <laughs> and then, you yeah, called and, me. <laughs> and then later on, we hear Jesse in her office making calls. And she's like, how can I trade in my old Volvo for a new one? <laughs> Is there a VIP program? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was fucking great. Uh, yeah, this episode, episode five, is particularly delicious. You get to see, like, uh, uh, Elizabeth Berkeley or Berkeley Lauren. I didn't know she had changed her name. But Elizabeth Berkeley Lauren as uh, given a bit more to do. Um, she's not as animated as, like, Mario Lopez is in this show. And maybe it's just because we, we have not seen her as much. Um, but she's pretty great in this episode as like a highly educated leader to these uh, students and also like her her kind of not great marriage Um, she's got a husband I think yeah she's got a husband Renee who's been at some writer's retreat like out in Arizona or something in like a, a sweat hut and she has a FaceTime call with him while Daisy, who had just completed the call with her own mom, pretending to be Jesse Spano, is hiding under Jesse Spano's desk because she has nowhere else to go. And overhears Jesse have a conversation, a FaceTime call with her husband, where the husband says, like, oh, I get to stay like a few more months. And overhearing this conversation finds that Jesse Spano has a hard time saying no to her husband and trying to support him in his goals. Um, so yeah, that basically leads in like Daisy thinks that she can get away scot-free after she sees Dr. Spano step away from the desk, but it turns out she's still in her own office. So the two have a, have to have a confrontation there. That's pretty, pretty good. Uh, just talking about like how moms treat their kids and how they always want to support them. Not always the case, obviously, but it's like in talking about her experiences at this high school and how she views her, like mom uh, convinced her to like at least give it a shot to bring it up. And it's probably something that kids will often look at with like their own parents that I thought was that I'd like not considered, like just how to talk to them about things that you want to do and making it a priority. Um so it was pretty funny. It was, I mean, it was very situational comedy, like being stuck in an office with nowhere to go. Uh, but to me, the the real, real funny business in this episode is on the football team. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Jamie Spano is relegated to being like a backup quarterback. And the team is still doing terribly. Like they keep losing by like hundreds of points, which is an nearly impossible in a football game. Like they're getting <laughs> basketball type scores. And it's mainly because Jamie Spano gives pep talks before each game. And they're all about how to treat the other team with dignity and respect and, and how to like congratulate them for giving a good tackle against you. Yeah. Uh, and, and how like the other team's lives are just as rich and fulfilling as our own. <laughs> <laughs> and, one of my favorite scenes is like they immediately say like we're gonna win this one we got this you guys and immediately cuts to like the scoreboard zero to 157 points Bayside loses 
Aisha takes off her helmet in frustration, and then she hears something and looks over her shoulder and is even more dumbfounded and annoyed to see her own teammates lifting up a member of the other team <laughs> and singing happy birthday to him in unison. <laughs> yeah, before the game, they decided that no one was allowed to tackle him because it was his birthday. <laughs> I love that football team. I love it too. And then <laughs> once they, once Aisha has, has a comfort, like she confronts him about it and says like, uh, eventually gets him worked up to the point where she's like, your pep talks aren't good. And he's like, what do you mean my pep talks aren't good? And he gets annoyed and he realizes that it makes him a better player because he ends up immediately throwing a drink that he has in his hand at the principal. <laughs> and it spirals beautifully. So she's like, well, I got an idea. If you get mad, then maybe we have a chance. So she and Mario Lopez, and it's not Mario Lopez, but she and Slater, the coach, uh, decide to ransack the locker room and claim it was the opposing team for their next game uh, that they're about to face. And the team comes in like, what happened here? And they're like, oh, it must be the other team. Because look at all this graffiti they put up about their school. And yeah, and here's a web page printout of their own high school. So you know it's real. <laughs> Just here on the ground. And they're reading the graffiti. Jamie <laughs> Jamie sees graffiti on his locker that says, The way I eat baby food pouches is dumb. That's like a vacation for my mouth, though. That's not a problem. <laughs> or a vacation for my teeth. And another kid says... Hey, this one says that I'm stupid because my parents are getting a divorce. I didn't tell anybody about that except uh, Coach Slater. What's going on here? And <laughs> Slater's like, uh, see if there's any more graffiti. And it says, signed, not Coach Slater. Oh, that's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like some of the other graffiti on the wall says like Nathan hugs his mom and stuff like that. <laughs> Which I doubt these kids would find too insulting. Mm-hmm. Uh but they go in and they have a game and they still lose, but only by seven points. And it's a zero to seven game or they lost negative seven points, I think, is how Slater talks about it later. Like, yeah, like they, they lost yeah. by negative seven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Slater's Slater's spin of it was that they won by negative seven or like something um, like that, like some weird math joke, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. But one of one of the football players' remarks, like as they're coming in, they're all excited because they got to like they weren't totally humiliated as they usually are. And one's like, "Yeah, it felt pretty good." And uh, he says something about like, "Yeah, I didn't get too sleepy, even though it's past my bedtime." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, before they go in though, that's where they have that entire thing about like uh, Jamie asks them. In anger, because he's getting heated. He doesn't like seeing this happen to his locker room. He's like, so who are those guys out there? And they're like, mean boys. And who are we? Like, nice men. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, no, we're also mean boys. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're mean boys. (laughs) (laughs) It is just too ludicrous. They decide to go out to pizza afterwards, but Aisha's... Remarked to uh, Daisy early in the episode that she's tired of losing because 
there's no incentive in it and it doesn't feel like congratulating yourself for not getting a victory because like her dad used to put it uh winners don't get pizza so he wouldn't take her out for pizza if she lost something so jamie's like yeah we're gonna get pizza at the max you want to come she's like no winners don't get pizza and she gets up and walks away and then jamie says oh well they got sandwiches too (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah this whole episode's really funny and then um it ends with like slater takes a pizza to aisha but then you know she ends up saying she wants to go get pizza with the the rest of the team instead so he just has this extra pizza so he takes it to jesse's office and they they share a nice moment in a pizza and there are hints of romance yeah like jesse seems like she's giving more of an ultimatum to her husband who seems completely self-obsessed and does not care about the family like the fact that he's got a wife and kid who would need him but yeah slater's there and he's got pizza that's not too cold so <laughs> yeah and big muscles he's just and his muscles yeah um and that's how episode five rolls out uh yeah this show's really fucking funny um i'm definitely gonna be watching the rest of it and i hope it gets more seasons because i like what they're doing with it but in all dimensions of like how similarities exist between this and like naked gun I feel like it's going to have a short lifespan as well. Just kind of like burn real bright and just be gone. Um, I don't really know what else is on Peacock. Like they had the new psych TV movie, uh, the second one. Um, But really, I'm not sure what else is there. This was the main thing I was looking forward to. Do you watch anything else on any of these streaming exclusive services? I searched around on Peacock. I signed up for it just a few days ago just for this, and it's trash. Like, you would think for being run by NBC, like, they could have, like, I, you know, the first thing I looked for after watching this was like, okay, cool, I'm going to go back and watch every single Conan episode. Yeah. And, yeah. And, nope. And I was like, well, I'll go back and watch every David Letterman episode. Nope. Like, it's, it's, they have... Like, I guess the parent company owns the sci-fi channel. So it's like a lot of sci-fi originals mm-hmm. and a lot of like real housewives. Um, I found, and like the office and like parks and rec, like their normal stuff, like n- nothing that really goes back too far. Like, no, you know, like I would have, you know, like it'd be interesting to watch like lesser known weird ass sitcoms from like the sixties or something, but there wasn't really anything like that. Like <laughs> I found sliders, which I'll watch of course, cause I love sliders, but like, sure. Uh, yeah. It, it's real, real shitty bare bones service. So I, I really hope that like they get something that makes people like it so that they can continue doing original stuff. Cause I want 10 seasons of this Saved by the bell. Yeah, I want a new class for season. sure. I, I'm, <sighs> I would like to do this again and see how the rest of the episodes pan out and talk about them with you. Um, And I don't know, maybe like I won't be reciting jokes from it as much, hopefully next time. But the uh, jokes are so good. I mean, what are you going to do? They're so fucking good. It's like I can't not do them. But just to like give more of a brief rundown of what goes on and just confirm that like the rest of the season is just as good. Um, But I'm probably going to watch those episodes like sooner rather than later because i 
it was just funny. Yeah, I mean, if if anybody listening had any enjoyment, ironic or otherwise, with the original Save of the Bell, well, here's the thing. I think it's the only people who had, like, the ironic enjoyment of Save by the Bell. Because we were talking about this before the show, and reviews that are coming in, like on Rotten Tomatoes, this has, like, 76% from critics of positive fresh rating. And then the audience score is weirdly low. It's, like, in the mid-50s. Um, mm-hmm. So not, like, a complete dropout, but still pretty poor. I looked at some of them, and there's a lot of one-star reviews, and they don't seem to give too much detail about what it is. Um, Like, one of them just says, awful, nothing like the original, what a waste. Which, in that case, like, great, because the original was cornball and goofy and stupid. Like, it'd be a very idiotic thing to try and recreate that now. You would have to do something different. Another review says, swing and a miss. This VHS tape goes straight to the discount bin, which is a weird thing to say because this is a streaming only show that has no <laughs> no iteration of like a VHS media in its in its life. Um, and then there's another one that goes into a little bit more detail. Um, it says garbage. Expectations were very low to begin with, and it still managed to disappoint. Saved by the Bell was one of those anomalies that was lucky to be successful the first time. Given the low production value, bad acting, and predictable storylines, the reboot might have had a chance at an entertaining season or two if it had stuck simply to campy nostalgia. But instead, it devolves into another heavy-handed lecture on the same tired topics that are crammed into every nook and cranny of modern entertainment thereby sucking all the fun out of Bayside High. I think it injected more fun into the show. Like, this person sounds like they want to live in the past. And, are obs- <laughs> like, this this is what I run into with some Twin Peaks fans who then watched The Return and were like, oh, I hated this. It's like, well, man, you must fucking hate David Lynch because this is, like, the trajectory that he's been on for his entire career. Like, just because it's the same fucking name doesn't mean it's going to be... Like, all pies and coffee and bullshit jazz music. Like, <laughs> you can't you can't live in the past like that. And I think that's what this show is trying to prove. And it does it amazingly well. So, yeah, this mm-hmm. this guy is uh, gave it, like, half a star because it wasn't a campy nostalgia version of a already campy show. Yeah, I, that, like... You know, I feel like some of the people, you know, not to interrupt, sorry, but like, I, you know, I feel like some of these people who, who are poo-pooing, um, like kind of want like that Jimmy Fallon version of Saved by the Bell, like where he like did the reunion and like it was just oh. Zach and Slater and everybody like Fuck. wearing the same clothes. Like, I, I feel like that's kind of what some of these people wanted from this show is like, just like, like, I mean, you can't recreate Saved by the Bell because it's like so what they intended is not the reason why people like it, which is not yeah. to say like, it's like ironic. Like it's not so bad. It's good necessarily because it is genuinely fun, but it's not fun for the reasons that the people who made it think it is or would be. Yeah. Agreed. Like I, I think campy nostalgia is almost impossible to recreate or else you're like veering into Andy Warhol territory of just like making a copy of a copy. Like mm-hmm. here's high production art. And now it's in a frame and we're going to examine it and 
observe it, admire it. Like, like with John Waters' films, having Divine in like his earlier work is what makes those films campy and good. Like it was just him and a motley crew and this one big star. Like John Waters' later films, whatever. Like they're fine. You know, you have like Snakes Will Be Demented, which is great, and Pecker. But the love and the verve is gone. And I think that's what some of the people are missing or, or or cherish rather about like the original Sarah by the Bell is that low budget, uh, um, the campiness of it, the earnestness of the writing for how lame it was. It was just like, yeah, it's it's fun and and it still managed to be fun despite all that and ages in such a way where it just has like that cult appeal. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's something that anyone would want to create. Like it's an there's too much competition. Like how could you do something like Say by the Bell now on any sort of service and expect it to get any return, whether audience or monetary at all? Like I can't imagine what that would be like. Yeah, then like I mean like a lot of what made Say by the Bell fun both genuinely and ironically is like it was these old boomers trying to tell boomer ass stories, but with like yes. Gen X characters and in a Gen X style. And I, I feel like this show, the new show and the original show are very similar in that way. It's, um, you know, you have these young characters who are kind of existing in the Saved by the Bell universe, which is very like early nineties Gen X, like in just in the way, like, that the characters kind of, I mean, not even that the characters behave necessarily, but like it's it stuck in, in that like kind of aesthetic, you know, like in, it, it lives in that box that was created in the early nineties. So it kind of echoes this new one echoes the original one in the way that the original echoed, whatever it was that those boomers who were making it, you know, styled it on. Yeah. Does that I, make sense? I def- it does. I get your point. It's like, it's trying to like, OG Say by the Bell was trying to reflect like a Leave It to Beaver style storylines, or mm-hmm. maybe even like something a little bit edgier than that because of like how some of those storylines play out. But they're just like goofy sitcommy like Lucy. I love Lucy style stuff. Like oh, they're gonna really get into it now. Like that's how it was for that sort of studio audience type sitcom that they were trying to do and. It was just a format that you worked with. Now, like, comedy's gone into so many different directions since then. Like, hell, even in the 70s, they were doing, like, a little more edgier stuff with, like, All in the Family. But now we're in this uh, totally different universe where, like, some people like Tim and Eric and some people like self-referential shit. Some people like uh, 30 Rock or Parks and Rec or... uh, whatever is new on adult swim like there's there's so many other places that comedy itself has gone to and to tackle something like this that's not even going to be aimed at high school kids because again there's no sense in it like i don't know of any young people who would want to watch anything on tv (laughs) like they want to watch youtubers instagram personalities and I don't know. There's probably an app that I haven't even heard of yet. 
or some other feature that they're using. Like the entertainment and focus is very far removed from uh, this sort of syndicated uh, studio audience stuff that would have originally appealed to them back in the early 90s. Like it's just not, it's it's a non-starter. So for people to be like asking for exactly that same formula, it's like, man, I really feel bad for you because there's not a time machine that you can use to, to, to do this thing that you want. But the old episodes are still there. They always will be. And they'll continue to hopefully feed fodder for this uh, new show that's fucking hysterical. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, like it, it is weird, like just kind of like do this, like, I mean, you know, I feel like I would be really curious to know who the people who made this like thought would be watching because I mean, obviously, like everybody like us, I mean, well, not like us, but like a lot, like a lot of people who watched it at the time, like the original Saved by the Bell are going to be turned off by like just anything that's like new um, because we're old people and that's what we do. Yeah. Um, Aside from us, because we love we love comedy and new stuff. We're not old like those other old people. You and I. Yeah, we're we're different olds. <laughs> yeah, but um, and then you know, for the new kids, like I, yeah, like I mean, younger people, I don't know if they even watch stuff. But there is a, a a review on on Rotten Tomatoes from a user who says, um, "I'm loving it. It's the perfect show for me and my family." The reboot is more my age, and the OG was during their time, so it's perfect for us. And I. Despite the fact that young kids probably don't watch anything, um, I feel like that they would really like this. At least uh, if we're going off of Davina here's comment, because yeah, uh, yeah, I think it is the kind of thing that that would be super funny if if you got into it. But because it's based on a show that people probably know as being overly corny i feel like maybe people won't give it a shot and then people who loved the original might not give this a shot because it is you know kind of a comment on the original uh so i don't know so hopefully hopefully it does well i don't know we'll see though we'll see what time says that's a really good point i mean it is kind of like those two conflicting sides that would go against it work against it um but yeah i i do agree i hope it goes on for a while because it is exceedingly funny and uh um and because like you were saying it does seem to tackle things effortlessly to a point of some of the things that i brought up that um teenagers or at least like the actors in this are portraying their ages uh are real issues exacting issues like and not just with uh, uh, trans culture and trans lives, but also uh, prejudice and capability, like girls being able to play on a football team. Like that's, it's not a regular thing, but it's definitely a thing for like field goal kicking at this moment. So these barriers are being breached and these conflicting worlds are happening and yeah, I I get information about this squarely in the lamest fashion for myself, which is being a 36-year-old who's still on Tumblr. So I'm aware <laughs> of these things. <laughs> um, so whenever somebody has something to say about what they're going through, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. 
and also talking to younger generations that are just going to college or getting out of high school and learning what they um, are dealing with or um, what their worldview encapsulates. Like, it's all this new stuff. And yeah, so if teenagers would watch this, I think it would connect and hopefully be funny. Like a younger person's Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, the theme show fucking or the theme song fucking sucks. So uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe I should cancel it right now. Yeah, I thought the theme song was all right. I mean, it's just it's the same lyrics as the original, but it sounds like stuff that a young person might listen to. Like it's reshaped and reformatted. I don't know. Would you prefer if it were like vaporwave? Um. Mm, I don't, I'm too old to know what that is, Frisbee. I'm an old I man. guess it, here's how I know about Vaporwave. All right. It's it's remixed samples of like very smooth music. And sometimes they'll put lyrics over and sometimes not. The reason I know about this is because for a hot minute over the summer of 2017, there was this thing called Simpsons Wave. Mm-hmm. And it would just be on YouTube. And it basically sounded like that music that would be playing during, like, if you ever found one of those uh, music to chill, study, and relax to. Mm-hmm. Um, they would basically have music like that playing, but with looped images of Simpsons clips that look like GIFs of something as if it were recorded off of VHS with, like, discoloration on it. <laughs> and I was obsessed with this shit. So I watched a lot of Simpsons Wave, and I thought that was its own thing. And then I realized it was just a parody off a thing called Vaporwave. And then I felt like a fucking idiot. <laughs> so so I still listened to Simpsons Wave for a few weeks. Uh, because it's, you know, I thought it was much more entertaining to watch repeating loops of, like, Homer uh, crying in the rain while listening to music. <laughs> than to explore any legitimate forms of this uh, medium. So yeah, well. So yeah, check up, that out. Maybe yeah, maybe vapor wa- Simpsons wave is what they should use. Yeah, or at least just classical gas. Like I think that that would make for a good theme song. Do 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 do. Play <laughs> classical gas. Um, on that note, I'd also heard of uh, uh, what was it? There was some Simpsons reference that just stuck out to me. Um. Somebody had brought up like how simpler times had been just before this past year. And somebody's like, you know what was just a only like two years ago? But you probably forgot about it since everything's been so depressing. And they just put a a uh, clip of a meme for the you got the dud meme uh, from The <laughs> Simpsons where... Marjorie marks you got the dud when they're playing a game of a uh, mystery date and Homer has that creepy smile. You mm-hmm. sent me a pin, a ceramic pin of the uh, the dud from mm-hmm. that episode, which I still display proudly on my desk because it's <laughs> so charming. Like who doesn't want to say no? Who wants to say no to the dud? He's doing his best and he looks just like that Wiener Millhouse. Mm-hmm. He's perfect. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> But yeah, that was only 
that wasn't too long ago, but it feels like ages and ages ago. I know. Everything feels like it's so far away, like now. Like, I, I couldn't remember us doing the Are You Afraid of the Dark episode because it felt like 17 years ago that we did that. It was two, three months. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it felt so long ago, but uh, since we last talked, it has been a new year. So um, as we wrap up, like, how was your new year? What did you all do? Um, nothing. I didn't. I think I... I think uh, for junk food dinner, we had to watch pornography that week. So I think as the bell was or the ball was dropping, I was watching pornography. The balls porno- were dropping. <laughs> yeah, as the ball was dropping, the actual balls were dropping. And I was watching <laughs> pornography. So how about you? It was your first anniversary. Did you do anything fun? Yeah, we just hung out at the house and we drank until we got drunk. Um, we had bottles of <laughs> champagne and... I I went to make it a little bit special, so I got like actual champagne, and along the along those lines, it costs about like maybe forty five, fifty bucks for a bottle. And upon returning, my wife was like, "Why did you spend so much money on champagne? We could have got like sparkling wine. How much was this?" And I said it was fifty fifty dollars. She's like, "We could have bought a bookshelf with that money," which is. <laughs> Is because she went across the street and found a bookshelf that she thought she might like. So we started talking about things in the price of bookshelves after that. Like, how many bookshelves is this going to cost us? And she's like, I think this is like three bookshelves. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we had some we had some nice champagne and chatted with family a bit. Watched the Times Square footage, <clears throat> which was like festooned in all Planet Fitness garb. Like, Planet Fitness spared no expense in putting advertising out because I think they're going under or something since no one can go to gyms. Um, and they were probably also banking that some people were going to, like, lose weight after the new year for resolutions and all that. Um, or just work out for the new year. So, yeah, it was, like, Planet Fitness everything. And it was bizarre. The stage was Planet Fitness. They had... Planet Fitness wacky arm-waving flavor tube guys mm-hmm. and like hats, glasses, barricades, banners. It was it was too much, frankly. I'm already done with Planet Fitness and I never got to go. Um, but yeah, that was yeah. Good. it was fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we enjoyed it as like a first anniversary. I looked over like our wedding photos and stuff and yeah. Looking forward to like seeing people uh, when we're able to. Yeah, I think that's that's what we're all we're all hoping to see humans and interact socially again one day. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the meantime, you and I are probably going to watch some more episodes of Saved by the Bell. Hell uh, yeah. Probably reconvene in the coming weeks to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the super meantime, I would say that that. That wraps up this this episode of Pool Party. So we're going to take a break. You can visit us on Facebook. Uh, you can visit us on, on our new uh, account on Parlor. Find us there. We're going <laughs> to... Before it's totally <laughs> shut down, apparently. So we have, get on there quick. It might be gone by the time you hear this message. We've, we've posted a bonus episode on Parler about how the, the coronavirus vaccine is a, a liberal hoax. 
So please mm-hmm. go listen to that. Um, find us, you know, you know where to find us. We're in Podcast Town and everything like that. Um, so yeah, so I guess that's this episode. So uh, I would say uh, thanks for having fun. When I wake up in the morning and the longest out of warning I don't think I ever make it on time By the time I grab my books I give myself another look I'm at the corner just in time to see the bus fly by Pops a test, then I know I'm in a mess And my dog ate all my homework last night Right alone in my chair, she won't know that I'm there If I can hand it in tomorrow, it'll be alright Building. You don't understand. I placed hidden messages in that tape. <laughs>